This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan. It's time for questions from the audience. And I went on the uh, TMA fan page and I said, let's really make this questions from the audience special. Let's really dig in. And that's why I'm trying to encourage questions that, uh, that ideally, of course, provide uh, content that will uh, engage you, the audience member, but um, the the chicken and egg of the whole thing is it has to make my synapses fire because then I'm going to ideally provide some form of content that, that makes you want to listen. So got a big number of questions that I was thinking to myself, I really like these questions. And so I think I'm going to attempt to go with a couple of them uh, and, and do my best and maybe see if I can actually acknowledge the spend to spend about 10 minutes on each one. That is my play. And so uh, I will start with this one. And it's from Sam. Uh, and I don't, and I never know if people want their names out there or not, which is totally cool saying Sam. People can see it on the fan page if they want. Have you seen the latest Louis C.K. leaked audio about the Parkland shooting, et cetera? What are your thoughts? Do you think it's somewhat pitchfork mafia or do you think he was completely out of line? And so it's a topic that I certainly... Am, I'm kind of fixated on it's, it's if, if there's something that I think gets me go now now this will get into what I think the second question uh, is looking for which is pers- what I would consider to be misperceptions and I think for like the outsider who doesn't really listen to TMA and therefore uh, the chances of that person listening to the podcast are low the perception of me in the market and I think, and I, and I say that in one way that it, it makes it sound like people even know who I am. And in reality, I think maybe like a point, like 8%, a point, excuse me, point eight, eight tenths of a percentage point. That's what I'm saying. Actually know who I am. Uh, it's kind of like when Franco Pinion was in here uh, doing the show and he goes, what people don't, under- I'm almost trying to do a Franco Pinion impression with his voice because he has a certain cadence. Uh, he goes, what people don't understand is yes. For like the 1% of St. Louis who listens to my show, it's everything to them. He goes, but 99% of the population has no idea who I am. And he goes, I'm very well aware of that. And I'm kind of like, yeah, that's great self-awareness. And I would agree with it. Like who is the most recognizable personality? I'm talking radio slash podcast personality in St. Louis. I honestly don't know. I truly don't know. The ratings would tell you Rizzuto. Uh, and I would say he's certainly got to be top five from 105.7. Great fucking guy who's been a guest in here, and he's a great fucking guy. Even if he wasn't a guest in here, I've gotten to know him. He's a great fucking guy. 
Um, I'm sure some people would say Frank Opinion. I would think some people would say Dave Glover. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. Like, I'm talking about people who host shows. Or would you include, like, Dan McLaughlin? Dan McLaughlin certainly would be in play as the guy who's on the Cardinal Games and been doing it for 20 years. I don't know. And then people can email me and, and suggest a bunch of names. The, the, the point is, even though whoever you want to pick, there's still a huge amount of the population who has no idea who the person is. So that's the reason why I, I'm establishing that kind of as a premise as we'll work off of here for the, the duration of uh, today's questions from the audience. So with that premise established and the question that I think you have asked, which is a great one, it is this. What you're asking is, from my standpoint, very astute. Um, and it's a healthy question to have a conversation about in a vacuum. But in 2019, and probably 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 as well, and most likely 2020, 2021, and so on and so forth, uh, it is a dangerous question to tend to if you are a media personality. And it's a really odd thing and it bothers me and I don't know if I'll have like uh what is it the movie network where the guy opens and says I want to stand up and open up the window and say I can't take anymore something along those lines because I'm seeing things that I personally believe are wrong and I'm not even necessarily talking about morally because morals are in the eye of the beholder some morals for people are dictated by their religious faith god bless them uh and, and some who are not religious uh, have their own moral compass. Um, so I don't know if it would be, I, what I would call them is more double standards that I have seen emerge over the last X amount of years from for real, both the right and the left that I think are so detrimental. And I'm only speaking to American society. I don't know if people in Europe would say this is going on here and people in all over the world would say it's going on. I have no idea. But I'm speaking to what I see in American society, American culture, that I think is the byproduct of social media. I would say Twitter specifically, but I think Facebook has its own echo chambers with politics as well. Uh, I don't know how much of it's really Instagram, although Instagram comments can be vile. It's more usually just kind of shitting on celebrities than than like the political discourse and the, and the bubbles. That one who may want to enter into the open marketplace of ideas and express himself or herself is because he or she is aware that the downside is being labeled a bigot or a misogynist or take your pick of whatever career defining adjective that would then end that career. He or she chooses to not enter into the open marketplace of ideas. And so you wind up quoting people who have dog avatars and like seven numbers after their fake name on Twitter when you're writing stories in Time or the New York Post or pick whatever publication. I don't know if they're conservative or liberal. I have no idea. I'm just using arbitrary examples before you uh, turn into a, a, a fucking explosion. But that that you can't have somebody who goes, you know, this person who studied this at this university or this person who was this administrator for this government or this person who ran this business or this person who started up this business, you don't quote them because that person's going, 
Well, because I do have this business and I did start it up and I do have some experience in this field, but I know if I say something and I say something that is deemed to be incorrect, people will boycott my business and it will cost me my business, which will therefore impact the people who work for my business and their paychecks. And so instead of the people who may be qualified to give a nuanced opinion on a topic, you have those people backing away from the open marketplace of ideas and then the people either with nothing to lose or more often than not, the people who are hiding behind anonymity on social media are somehow actually quoted on news outlets, whether it be publications or whether it be television. And I think it is so dangerous. I think it's dangerous to quote those people as if they're fucking, I mean, right now, outraged on Twitter is the way to get a click. Outraged on Twitter is the way to get a click. It's just, and and what do you do? You just screenshot a bunch of fucking randoms and then say, wow, so-and-so experienced backlash over the weekend for their picture or for their comments on the Golden Globes or for their opinion of Colin Kaepernick or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. And then you just like take some random and it doesn't matter. Blue check mark or otherwise, who gives a damn? And then that becomes like the talking point. And so my premise is, and those people are absolutely welcome to their opinions. I think it would be optimal if people are actually uh, using their real names, but it doesn't work that way. I understand that. I also know it's not changing. But the, the bigger casualty is people who can speak to some of these topics from points of experience or just wisdom are scared to because then they know they can be the new target of the Twitter pitchfork mafia and experience downside. And that's the worst. Hey, Ryan Kelly is a great sponsor of this podcast. As a matter of fact, he's the studio sponsor of this podcast and has been since we started. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his incredible staff with us from the very beginning. And the reason why, well, because I know that if you are in the market to buy a home or refinance, there's only one place you want to go. And that's Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Whereas other places have shut down or had to make cuts, Ryan Kelly keeps growing. Why? Because he runs a great business where people truly do save money. And the process, whether it be of closing on a new home or refinancing, is made easier because of his staff. Ryan, good people, saving you money buying a home, refinancing, only one name to know and one place to go. And that's the homeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of our studios on the Tim McKernan Show. And so here I am. And if you've listened to the interviews that I've done uh, since we started the Tim McKernan Show, it's funny because there's a guy, and I, and I, I doubt he cares if I were to name his name, but he doesn't live here anymore, uh, St. Louis athlete who now has just found the podcast here over like the last month. And he's like, oh my God, I'm listening to this one now. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did that interview a year ago. And he's just like, he loves them. It's kind of his way to stay connected to St. Louis. And then here's like the details. Some of these people, the comfort level, some of these people are talking, which is my personally, my favorite part of doing this whole thing. Um, and, and you, and you hear the, the comfort level with which they speak, but part of it is because they feel like they're in a spot where they can express themselves and not worry about getting taken down. But the minute that somebody gets taken down for something that they say on the podcast, I would imagine it'll then have a negative impact on the podcast and the comfort level that we get guests and express themselves. But you're talking about wanting people to be comfortable and expressing their opinions and not then either. See, people say, well, you're not getting censored. Well, okay, I guess the government is not shutting down your speech. So if you want to use that as the definition of censoring, then I would agree. But what actually the form of censoring in 2019 is, 
If you don't like what somebody says, you quote retweet it, then you try to get your peers on Twitter to then retweet it and then condemn the person. And then if that person works for a broadcast entity or a publication that you then contact, whichever special interest group can then contact that person's publication or media outlets, uh, advertisers, and then they pull their advertising and then that person loses their job or is suspended. And so you might not call that censorship. From my standpoint, that is the version of censorship. And people say, well, that's their way of expressing themselves, just like this person expressed themselves. Okay. But this person's expressing himself or herself. You're actually doing what you can to damage that person's ability to express himself. And so I would say that it is a difference and it is a cute way of copping out from trying to snuff out the expression. So with regard to specifically my experience, every time on this podcast, as I was making reference to with uh, this friend of mine who's listening to these things, I don't know how many times we've had a St. Louis governmental official in here, Republican, Democrat, uh, and it doesn't have to be somebody like from the Board of Aldermen, whatever the case might be. And I talk about me observing growing up in, in South City, the race problem that I, that I without question believe is the case that I know pisses some people off in St. Louis when I say it, but I absolutely believe it. I don't, and it's like, to me, it's not even like a sweat, um, but it's one thing to talk about the problem. It's another thing to talk about how can you actually solve it? It is a tough thing to solve, but I think it's important to acknowledge what our issues are. And I tell the story of my experiences growing up and just thinking, God, this is wrong. And being like six or seven years old, and when I ran for student council president uh, at St. Louis U High, and I think I may have been the only person to vote for me. I really think, I, and I'm not even sure I voted for myself, but my whole campaign platform, because you, you wrote, um, you know, essentially your campaign platform um, in the Prep News, which is the St. Louis U High newspaper, and this was it would have been, I guess, 1993, uh, was addressing what I felt like at the time, and I can't speak to it now, was the fact that every freshman class at St. Louis U High would start off with between 10 and 15 African-American students. And by the time we would all graduate, there'd be like two or three left. And I said, this can't be, this can't be a coincidence. There has to be something that's causing this. And we had an obligation to make sure everyone is welcome. Uh, and, and so if, you're, if, if I like had a campaign manager, they'd go, yeah, you know, that might resonate with the, the 15 African-Americans but as far as you want to win the election, you're not going to win. But I mean, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So I was honest. But if I were to speak on some of the things that I am observing that I now consider to be racist from the other side or some form of discrimination from the other side, I would then be labeled a racist. And so what do I choose to do? You might not like it, but I have a wife and I have a son. And so I'm going to go, you know what? The juice isn't worth the squeeze and while I think I have something to add to the discussion that I think would be healthy to talk about, I also know somebody, and all it does is take one person to call me a racist, and then it just destroys what I've done over 20 years. And you might not like some of the things I talk about when it comes to sex or sexuality or whatever the case might be, the fact that I'm agnostic, but I'd like to think I've been in the market for 20 years and there haven't been any issues um, as far as my conduct professionally at, at any place but then all of a sudden now, oh, he's a racist, and now I am essentially blacklisted in my business, and not just this business, any business. And so I go into public shame mode. And so what you have happen is people are not comfortable discussing things that they see as being real issues. And I've noticed this happening, and I think it's a problem. But the bigger problem is that people who can bring something to the table 
are choosing not to come to the stage because they don't want to be the victim of the social media pitchfork warriors. And that's at the center. Now, some people are building careers out of it, but I don't want to be disingenuous. I don't want to be disingenuous. So I can't do that. So you can, so like, you know, you know which audience you want to play to. Like I can already picture like how I could do it. And it'd be, it'd be so easy. I mean, it'd be like, like a small market WWE for you. Uh, and I'm not talking about St. Louis being small market. I'm talking to be like a pop-up tent WWE show. It would not be highbrow. It's easy to do. Uh, Cause you know, who's angry right now and you know, how you can tap into it, but I'm not interested in doing it. And those are a lot of the people who, with I expressed these opinions, they would be like, Oh, good for him. He's come to our side. Well, I'm not because I know a lot of the side is actually bigoted from the other direction. And I don't want that support either, but both can be true. And I, it just, it's just, it's, it's grotesque. And it really truly has happened over the last three years. And I really believe that it's a byproduct of the social media. And this is coming from somebody who I know that many in the audience just view me as like, they jokingly, Oh, it's a hardcore leftist. Whatever you want to call me, I don't even I don't even know what I would where I, what category I would fall into, um, but I, I I see it and I and it it really concerns me. So the question was about Louis C.K. and now that I've given you that fifteen minute prelude, here is my answer. I can't answer your question, and that's because of the reasons that I just gave for the last fifteen minutes. And isn't that a shame? Now I can, of course, answer your question, but. What happens? What happens if the podcast, like somebody quotes from the podcast or somebody tweets about the podcast and says, oh, Tim McKernan said this regarding Louis C.K. Oh, he must be for this and that and that. And then all of a sudden you can have the chain begin to go. The dominoes begin to fall. And so you just have to, and like I said, at some point I would imagine, I don't know if I would call it a slip up, but I'll just go, you know what? Fuck it. It's time now to just say what I think. And I know it's going to happen, but it's, go, it's gotten to the point now where I just can't, I can't keep my mouth shut anymore. But I observe this and it legitimately concerns me. And it really, when it gets down to it, it doesn't have anything to do with me. You know, I mean, no matter what, as I always say, it could end right now. And I've had 20 years, which I would never would have expected that I would have gotten in this market uh, and in this career. So, you know, it's, it's gravy at this point. I've, I've run way better than I deserve. Um, but it concerns me. It's, it's like when people go, how do we run up? How do we wind up with these as our choice? These people as our choices for pick whichever position. I know everybody immediately like harken back to, to presidential elections, but I'm talking about so many elections. Well, that's because a lot of other people just like, I don't want to go through. I don't want to go through the process. I, there is a person here in the St. Louis area who I actually talked to and said, I think you would be an incredible candidate. And, you know, I mean, I, I just think you would be in the best interests of, of this particular office for the people for whom you'd be running. And you know what the person said to me? I appreciate that. It's one of the best compliments a person can receive, but I just don't want to put my family through it. I just don't want to put my family through what I know will wind up going on. And so that is parallel to, yeah, I have opinions on a lot of these things, but I also have seen what happens to people if they just step the slightest out of it. Like Derek Gould answered a question or observed that President Trump misspelled 
former President Barack Obama's first name wrong in a tweet. I happened to see it when he tweeted it, and I thought to myself, Godspeed, Derek. The next couple of days are going to be quite fun in your mentions. Now, there's also a chance that Derek's like, you know what? I'll just get this thing going here. Um, I have no idea, but I knew it was going to happen. And you know what? I don't even need to tell you what happened. I'm just telling you what the start of it was. You know what happened after that. It's fucked up. And I, and it's not like I see it like suddenly like reversing course, you know, it's just, this is the snowball and this thing is going to go and it's going to go and it's going to go. So that's why I love your question. And I know you hate that I can't answer, but hopefully my answer fulfills the whole premise, which is the social, social media pitchfork mafia. All of our guests on the Tim McKernan Show presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. I have had a number of people since Mark started advertising on the show say to me via email or when I see him at, at events, you know what? I was hesitant to reach out just because I had a feeling it wasn't going to be great news. And then I did reach out. And not only is Mark an incredibly kind person, but he's so thorough. And then after talking with him, I felt better. And so if you are like I was for a number of years, well into my 30s, and feeling like, yeah, I just don't know what I'm doing with my money. I don't really know anything about it. People start talking about this or that, and I don't understand it, and I'm a little embarrassed, and that's where I was, then please, and I say it with just the utmost sincerity, go online to evergreenstl.com to find out more about Mark Hanna, or just give him a call, 314-889-0503. If you want to get a clear picture of what you have, and if it's appropriate for your current financial needs, it just starts off with a phone call. 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Online at evergreenstl.com. Uh, and then this question, and it came from uh, the gentleman who's known as Timmy Recaps uh, on, uh, on the TMA fan page. What's a common misnomer or preconceived notion which has been ignorantly cast upon you by local media, audience, peers, friends, family, or potential business partners that you've had to actively work to dispel? I ask with sincerity, knowing you often embrace a bit of the hackneyed degenerate stereotype, i.e. gambling, rapport with all things porn, sports nut, uh, which on paper could be a tough sell. Uh, it's a great question, and it's, t it's a tough question to answer not because I'm, I'm hesitant to answer this one because this one does not get into uh, the things that you can lose your job or be the target of social media pitchfork mafias for. Um, it's because in order to know which is the largest misconception, you have to know what the misconceptions are. So I can think what the misconceptions are, but I don't know what the misconceptions are. In other words, I don't know what's in the head of, of those. But as I said at the outset, my perception of what I think some people who are kind of like, they don't know who I am, but then occasionally like one of my tweets or one of my interviews will kind of go mainstream beyond the standard audience of, uh, of this show or of TMA. And then it's like, oh, isn't he the guy who used to do TV on Channel 4? And it's like, I would imagine that like 90% of the people listening to this have no idea that I even did TV on Channel 4. Uh, but that's what the older people may remember me for. Or... Uh, they just heard when I used to be on with Frank Cusimano because that's their their comfort area as far as listening goes. And I would say things regarding a porn actor and then automatically the dogma in their brains means I must be a bad person because I watch pornography. Um, 
which I find to be fascinating. Like you can treat people well and operate a business, you know, for 14 years with some form of integrity. But if you watch pornography, it doesn't matter. Or if you aren't Christian, it doesn't matter. You're, you're a shitbag. And I just, you know, and, I, and I've, I've, dealt, I've dealt with that. But again, to speak to misconceptions, I don't know. I will say, I will say this. Because uh, I kind of look back on it now, and it's not, I guess it's almost six years at this point. It's five and a half years. Uh, when we left 590 in 2013, because uh, they were starting the 590, the man, 1380, the woman thing, and we knew it wasn't going to last. Um, and we felt obligated at that time to start another radio station. I don't know that that's necessarily the case in 2019 with. Uh, the way podcasts are, you know, even in just five and a half years, there's so much more mainstream now than they were in 2013. Um, in other words, they, they, uh, there'd be like be a need to like, you got to go to another radio station, you got to go to another radio station. So that's what we did in, in then. And I look back on it now and, uh, and, and Gangster Pete happens to be sitting here and we had, we had lunch last week and I told him a couple of stories from that, which I think uh, Gangster Pete, why don't you hop on the microphone here if you don't mind. Because I know you've been a long-term listener to the program. You wrote for Inside STL way back when, like 13 years ago. And I was telling you a couple stories about that time. And I would imagine those were, first off, probably way out of left field. And then secondly, uh, quite surprising. Would that be fair to describe? Oh, yeah. They're they're, uh, stuff you would have no idea unless you were living it. Yes. And so I don't know if at any point I'll be able to, and I know it sucks. This is like terrible content. Because it's like, dude, well, how can you like blue ball us? Um, but I, I, I can't. I mean, I can't because I mean, it would involve. It, 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 it's like I can't. I can't win. That was kind of my point with with Pete. Is like, here's what happened. Here's the backstory, and nobody can even guess this because obviously it's it's so. I don't even think Doug and the Cat know about a lot of this stuff. Um, I mean, I would tell them certainly now since it's been nearly six years, but. Uh, you know, at the time, I'm just like, I got to deal with it internally because if they know what's going on, then they're going to go, oh my God, we might not have jobs. But, uh, you know, so you don't want to worry the people who are, who are receiving their paychecks from you. But uh, if, if I were to tell these stories, it would, it, would, it would be incredibly embarrassing for some of the people involved for some of these details to be out there. So they, I, I can't do, I mean, I can, but I won't. Um, and so the reason I go back to that is, it's something that I now know five and a half years later when I was starting CBS Sports 920, so much of what I was doing at that time was, I don't know if I would call it for people to like me, because I don't think that would necessarily be it, but for people to say good things about what we were doing, which is different to me than people liking me. So with CBS Sports 920... So much of that lineup, which had us, um, and then a number of people who you would you would recognize. I mean, uh, Frank Cusimano, uh, Brian Burwell, Joe Strauss. Um, you know, I'm trying to pick. There was a picture that we all had, um, and you know, Charlie was in there. I can picture Charlie in the picture. Uh, uh, Jack Clark, uh, famously, Kevin Slayton. Um, and I feel like I'm missing, I feel like I gotta pull up that picture. But there was like 10 people. And about three weeks into it, and this had nothing to do with the Albert Pujols, the famous element of, of the first week of CBS Sports 920's history. Uh, but like a month into it, I'm going, oh my God, I have 
absurd expenses and not nearly enough advertising revenue. And even if we mount a Sunday charge and increase the revenue by 20, 25%, we are still not going to be profitable. And it was just bad business. And I had nobody else to blame but myself. This was 100% me. And, and yet I, and I, I recall having conversations with people. I'm like, well, just, you're just going to have to let some people go. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. I mean, I can, again, kind of being the theme of this, I can, but if I do, here, here is how the hand will play out. And here are the ramifications of the hand playing out this way. So all I can do is cut what I'm paying myself. Number one, that's something I control. Cut what I'm paying my wife since she worked at the place and, and do whatever I can to increase revenue. Because if I start something and, and then just start whacking people left and right, and I mean, I'm telling you, in 14 years of Inside STL, I don't think I've like let go double digits, which I think is actually a flaw. Uh, double digits employees, I'm saying. Not not that we like have a 300-person workforce or anything, but I just, I you know, I, I don't know. Some people would say, oh, that's a great trait. Other people would say, oh, my God, that's like horrific to hear. Do with it what you want. That Those those are the numbers. Um, and so much of it was I just wanted people to say good things. And then also it's it's a weird spot. Like I had John Hewlett in, uh, and him and Learn will be uh, upcoming here, or depending on when you're listening to this, it's already up. And we were walking out of the radio station after uh, we did the interview. And he goes, so you own this, right? And I go, no, a lot of people think that I was given ownership as, as incentive to come over here in 2016. Uh, but I gave that ownership back and I explained, you know, the, the whole reasoning behind it. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I said, it, I said it, was, it was a very difficult thing because... I said to John, I said, it'd be the equivalent of you doing your show on K-She, which he's been doing since 1976. Uh, and then afterwards, then you're managing uh, the people who are working at K-She, whether they'll be the people on air or off air. That's a weird dynamic. And then for a lot of these people, I guess almost every single one, minus Charlie, uh, I was younger than them all. And so it was also, and, and whether that should matter or shouldn't, but I mean, I'm 35 at the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, 36 at the time, you know, I mean, it's not like you're, you know, 18, but still, you know, you're certainly younger and it just, it just factored in. And so as far as perception goes, um, it's so important to me. I, I think the thing that would probably get associated with me would be odd content, which is fine. I get it because I'm the one that provides the odd content or provokes the odd content might be the better P word there. Um, and by that, I mean, consciously choreographs it to get to odd content. Uh, but what is most important to me when it gets down to it, like behind the scenes is fairness. Well, we had a unique situation with James Carlton of the Carlton state farm insurance agency. And that is after working with him, doing his spots, I got to a point where I said, I have to make the switch to you, James. And I had to make the switch to him because uh, he did something really quickly uh, for us uh, that was important to Inside STL. And it was taken care of much more efficiently than past experiences with other insurance companies. And I'm like, James, I got to switch to you. And then he's like, oh, I don't want you to 
do that if you're going to be in an awkward spot with your current insurance guy? And I said, I, listen, I understand and I appreciate that. In other words, it wasn't like, yeah, I'll advertise with you if you switch your business over to me. That's where he was. But he was so good and his staff was so good that I had to make the switch. And it has been an absolute game changer for me and my wife, our family. And that's when it got down to it, what I thought I had to do. I had to take care of my family. And you can't leave yourself exposed in any capacity that could put your family in a bad spot, whether that be life insurance, whether that be disability insurance, or what we all know that we have to have insured. And that is, of course, home and auto insurance. James Carlton at 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. He makes sure that you call him during business hours. You are going to have your call answered. And how refreshing is that? Sounds very basic, but James goes above and beyond for what most companies are doing right now to make sure you know that the customer service you're going to get is better than any other place. And on top of that, he can save you money. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. And and so it's, it gets to a weird spot when... As I've said before, and it's not, these aren't per, people go, oh, good, you're taking shots at the post-dispatcher dancing, which I'm not. It's just when you would read things about your business or yourself or somebody you work with and you go, wow, that's not true. And you like, no, it's not true. You actually know that it's not true, but all your life, it's just, it's just kind of the way it's still the way I would imagine 95. Now, maybe things have changed here over you know the fake news era over the last couple of years, but all of your life before that. Uh, most people, I think, go, well, if it's in the newspaper, just subliminally, they accept it as fact or the way headlines can frame the narrative before you even read a word in the first paragraph of the story. And, and I go, oh my God, now I've been on the other side of it. And not to say, again, I don't think it was done at all, anytime actually, with any form of an agenda. It's just sometimes I choose not to speak, and I guess it's been to my detriment, um, whereas others have and then they're not necessarily representing things accurately. And it gets it gets it into a weird spot. And then, therefore, what happens is there becomes a misperception. Um, I'm 100% confident. I'm 100% confident. I just flat out know that regarding uh, some stuff in, in recent history that there is a misconception um, for people with some things that have gone on, which I realize I'm speaking as, as vague as possible. And it bothers me to no end because I know it's not true. And it's like, oh, here are text messages that would show you that you're running around telling people not true. But, you know, what are you going to do? You can't like try to snuff out every time somebody, the difference is, and this is the thing, because my dad would always say, Timmy, I was in media sales. I know the bullshit that you wind up dealing with in this business. And this goes back years ago. And I go, you're right. But there's one difference, and the difference is yours, your job, even though you were in media, you were in media sales, yours wasn't in the public eye. And that's the difference. And usually when you're written about or talked about on forums, I'm not talking about message boards, I'm talking about, you know, a radio show or potentially television, uh, that um, in your public figure, you're making millions of dollars or at least hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars as a, as an athlete or entertainer or politician or musician or whatever the case might be. Um, and that's the thing. That's the thing that I personally, I could really do without when in reality, I've had some people in the business go, God, isn't it great how often you get written about or talked about? And I go, God, it's amazing that you say that because if there's one thing that I personally don't like, but I accept, I mean, I accept that it's part of the deal. 
it's that part of it. Like I, I like the, the, the ultimate thing for me would be to be able to make a large amount of money as an entrepreneur and then have really nobody know you, you know, you just kind of do your thing. Like, Oh, we can interview so-and-so who's that. Well, he's the guy who started up this. Oh man, that'd be great to interview him. I didn't know that was who did it. You know, that's what, you know, but in our little world, it's like the inverse. And, and so when things are written or said, and I guess in the whole scheme of things, I shouldn't let it bother me because I, I'm, I'm comfortable, which is a weird thing I would imagine for somebody to, to hear somebody say, but it's, it is the truth. It's not like I enjoy it, but it's not like it ruins my day. Like it did at the start of my career, reading something where somebody rips me. And I know that might sound weird and maybe it sounds sad that you're like that desensitized to it. But then if somebody says I did something that I know that I didn't do, then I jump in. Or they say that something happened that I know that didn't happen. Then I get involved. And then people go, holy shit, you're pretty worked up about something that's pretty minor. And I, yeah, you know what? You're 100% right. I apologize. I got to fucking calm down. But I'm so hypersensitive to falsehoods being passed off as truths. And whether it involves me or something else, that that's my sensitive spot. And I've told people that. So um, that I... I that would be my way of conveying that I think that there, if the people were looking on the outside, looking in, I don't think people would know that about me. I don't know. Maybe they would. I have no idea. Maybe they do. Maybe they're like, dude, you're telling us something that we already know. I don't know. But for me, that's so important. Fairness, fairness. And I'm not talking about, although it certainly falls under the umbrella of treating somebody, uh, the right way, not even equally the right way. Um, no matter what their background is, um, I'm not just limiting it to that I'm talking about in a decision. Uh, but then sometimes what the public knows regarding a decision is, is not what we are aware of. Uh, but we can't say all the details that we have. And that's why, you know, I've now said and had these conversations with either athletes or coaches. It's like, man, now that I've been on the other side of it, it's difficult for me to get on the radio and start screaming about shit because I know that I don't know everything. And I know that there are things that went on that led to a decision, but I don't know what they are. I just know that they exist. And I know that if you are a, the kind of person I would want to work with, you're not going to tell me what they are. And I get that. So it's a weird spot. And it's, it's difficult to even explain it to somebody who hasn't been in that position because I know that if somebody would have tried to explain it to me before I experienced it, I would have gone, oh, yeah, cry me a river, go fuck yourself. But that's, that's reality. Um... But I just know that that's, it's important. Like if I say I'm going to do something, it's important to me to do my damnedest to make sure I follow through. Now, sometimes extenuating circumstances may not allow that to happen, but that's just, it's, it's like my dad used to rave about his relationship with Dave Sinclair, the gentleman who passed it. God, it's going to be 10 years here this August, I think. And it's just like, they didn't even have contracts. They just shook hands. And you hear about that stuff. It's romanticized. And then here's a guy who sold advertising to him for years. And he bought advertising. And it was just kind of like, it was the way it was. And when I saw Dave Sinclair, like a month or two before he passed away, and obviously you're coming off of 2008. I mean, 2008, signature for the automotive industry. And I knew him, but I didn't know him well. And we were just kind of killing time while I was waiting for something in the lobby. And I'm talking to this guy who I look up to in a, in a great way, just in part from seeing him for years. But I also know that people think the world of him. And we're just BSing in like a three minute conversation. And he goes, you know, it's been tough, but I'm really happy that I haven't had to lay anybody off. And I'm just like, God bless him. You know, he, and he, I mean, at that point, what I'm, you know, 31, 32 years old. And that's, you know, that's, that's what's on his mind, even though the automotive world is crashing and burning around him. I mean, that's just, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of character that I 
look up to. So hopefully that I hopefully I've answered both questions, perhaps without answering the questions. As always, I love your questions for questions from the audience. Feel free to email any of them, email your feedback, Tima Kernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to Ryan Kelly. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Thank you to Mike Judy Presents. And thank you to Johnny Landoff Chevrolet for being sponsors of the Tim Kernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.